This podcast is sponsored by the Music Player Network at musicplayer.com, the premier musician resource for keyboard players and beyond. Since the year 2000, the Music Player Network has been the go-to source for news and views on music technology, playing tips, and gigging help. The Keyboard Corner is one of the longest-running keyboard forums in Internet history, with guitar, bass, drum, and numerous recording and music tech forums also on offer. Frequented by weekend warriors, manufacturers' representatives, and professionals alike, MPN provides an invaluable resource for any musician, and it's 100% free to sign up and use. Go to www.musicplayer.com to see for yourself. Welcome to episode 18 of the Keyboard Chronicles, a podcast for keyboard players of the gigging variety. I'm your host, David Holloway, and it's brilliant as always to be here with you. And it's always great to have the sublime Paul Bindig again with me for this episode. How's things, Paul? You're going really well, thanks, David. It's sublime. I hope you appreciate that. That's a big call. Look, it's an adjective that has rarely, if ever, been attached to my name before, but I'm happy to take it. (laughs) As you should. No, all very good. Great to have you here. So this episode, we've got a great interview with a, a guy called Arden Altino, so, and some of you will definitely have, have heard of him. So Arden, aside from being an excellent producer of uh, basically 20 years standing, started out as an intern with Buster Rhymes, worked his way through to working, and still works, I believe, with Wonder Music, um, produced a whole range of artists. But aside from that, is also a very active and highly skilled keyboard player touring with with a whole bunch of different acts, everything from uh, Wyclef Jean to um, he's worked with on the production side with Alicia Keys. I've seen him play in a few videos. He's just got a beautiful style. So we thought it'd be great to catch up with Arden to talk everything about his life in keyboards, but also a little bit of production on the side. So enjoy. Arden, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Glad to join you guys, and it's a pleasure. And so um, the last few guests we've been asking how things are going, given the lockdown and everything that's going on. How are you keeping busy and, and keeping sane? Oh, my goodness. Well, music has always kept me sane. <laughs> I think that's what saved my life. So, Because, uh, you know, where, where I'm from, I come from the rural, the inner cities, they, I guess that's the way that you want to call it, from um, uh, Jamaica, Queens. So oh, music yeah. has always kept me, kept, me, uh, kept me out of trouble. So the music has been keeping me. But it's, 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 it's quite interesting what, what we're going through right now. So it's, um, how can I say, it's unexpected. But in some sense, it's sort of kind of cool in a, in a way because now you get a chance to spend time with your family. Yeah. That 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 you never got. You you know you don't have that opportunity because you're always up on the go. Especially a musician, if you're not touring, you're you're in the studio. If you're not in the studio, you got to go to run to this session, and sometimes you up late hours. So this kind of broke that pattern for a little bit. And 
gave us some, um, I guess what you want to call it, USA moments. Yeah, right. <laughs> Relax, <laughs> chill with your family, you know, spend some time, you know what I mean, with the wife, you know, <laughs> my son, you know what I mean? So that's that's how I've been coping, spending a lot of time with my yeah, family. So, right. So that's, uh, that's what I've been going through really, right now. It's really good. Uh, just, it's really good to... Like you said, although it's been an unexpected thing, it's been great, I think, for a lot of people just to reconnect with what's important, which is your family and yourself and, and the people around you that you care about the most, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Now, let me, if you go, you go, you go, you go, and, and you know, I almost I almost want to say it's it's God's doing because he wants yeah. us to reassess what, what we have and who we are, you know what I mean? We just not. Although music is my life and my livelihood, and but you know there's there's other things that's just as important, actually, even more important. You know what I mean? Mm. Having your health and your sanity—that's actually the most important thing. You know, if you if you're not healthy, you know what I mean? It's almost time for you to check out. And if you're not checking out, it, we lost so many people. I lost so many friends. Yeah, I I'm like uh, speechless. Like I lost two uncles. But, well, one uncle to COVID, and I lost uh, a cousin to COVID. Wow. And then uh, and then recently, I lost another cousin, and I lost uh, my, my other uncle. He had kidney failure. One, uh, sanity got to him. You know what I mean? He, he, uh, he, he did one of the unthinkable, which is what we, we never would imagine he mm. would do. Young guy, mm. 26 years old. Jay. So it's just like the pressures of life, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of hit home. I don't want to, I didn't want to go so deep right now, so quick, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> that's just the, re- yeah. that's just the reality, that's the, just the reality of what we're facing right now, you know. Well, so and, really, yeah. I think it really reinforces your point about really understanding what's important and, and having your, your mental health and your physical health is, is just the, the building block for everything, which allows us to be right. who we are. So I, I think it's a really important point. Arden, you, you mentioned that, you made a comment, music saved my life. I'm really interested if you can share with our listeners, as a young person growing up, how did you first become attracted to music? And you know, tell us about your development as a, from, from a young person to a musician now. What started that and how did that develop for you? Oh, man. You want to know the, the funny? My, my story is funny. Like, it's, it's not funny, but it's, it's just so interesting that I ended up doing music the way that I'm doing it. I never thought I would be in the lights of what I'm doing today. You know, when I was young, around I say I was around like uh, six years old, seven years old. Um, my sisters was taking piano lessons. And, you know, I told my parents, I was like, I want to play piano too. How come they could play piano and I don't want to take no piano? <laughs> <laughs> I want to take piano lessons. And, you know, and the piano teacher was like, well, you're too young to to play the piano. You're not ready yet. And I'm like, I want to learn how to play the piano. And so it was my next door neighbor. My neighbor said, okay, you know what? Let me take this kid on. You see, he really likes like he want to do it. And, you know, I wanted to do it more than my sisters wanted to do it. My sisters did not want to do it. They just did it because... They're, my parents told them to. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> yeah, sure. So you're like, you're going to play the piano, and that's it. We don't <laughs> hear no nothing. You're going, and so, and so I took it on. That's when I first developed the love for just wanting to play the piano. 
Um, but then there was the discipline that came with it. That part I didn't like at all. <laughs> <laughs> the practice and the long hour, I didn't like it at all, man. I used to be very upset. I mean, you know, I, my, I, I grew up in a Haitian family. Yep. My father's Haitian, my mother's from, from Haitian as well. They both came from Haiti. Uh, my father's from Quadabuque, uh, mm -hmm. and my uh, th that's the name of the area where my father's from, and my mother's from Port au Prince. Mm -hmm. That's another area yeah. in Haiti. So when they, they came here, so you know, my parents is, is like real strict West yep. Indian. You, you don't listen, you get the belt. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they go with the discipline. There, no, there's no timeout. There's no such thing as time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't listen. You get the belt. So when, whenever, when it came, when, when it came to not practicing, oh, I would get the belt. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't like it at all. <laughs> and then what made it, what made it, like I, I, I like I love music, and then I was like, nah, this practicing. I don't want to practice because all my friends they were outside riding their bikes and hanging out and all this stuff, and I'm like, I gotta sit in the house and practice. Sit down, practice the piano. But I don't want to. Everybody's outside. Sit down, practice the piano. Give me two hours. <laughs> so, but make a long story short, from um, from that perspective of it, and then uh, I ended up going to church. And in church, you know, my parents are very religious and stuff like that. So we will always go to church every weekend, every Saturday. I was raised up seven day Adventist. I don't know if y'all know what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was raised a Saturday, so I had to be at church every Saturday. I had to be dressed up. And then one day, this guy just played the piano. And I was, I think I must have been about like after three, I'll say four years of me studying with uh, my, my next door uh, teacher, my neighbor, um, her name was Miss Barry. Um, you know, I was, you know, a very rebellious because, you know, I was very reluctant to just want to play the piano at that point. Point. But when that guy played the piano at church one time, whatever song he played that day, I don't know how he played it before, but the way he played it that day, <laughs> I said, I want to play just like that. Whatever he did, I want to do. And that's when after that, I stayed in music and just kept on playing forever until, I, until I'm now, well, I'm 45, so till now, I'm 45, so... So I'll say from six years old, seven years old to 45. Yeah. I don't know how. That's a long time. <laughs> that is a long time. That's a career. That's a career. Um, and that's brilliant. And um, I know that your main gig to some extent is as a, a highly successful producer. Um, and I saw in another interview you did that um, you wanted to be the musician's friendly producer and that you're inspired by greats like Jimmy Jam and Quincy Jones. So how? Oh my God! Yeah, how, my favorite. How's your history favorite. in playing keyboards? And we are going to, obviously going to get on to playing keyboards in a little while. How's your history in playing keys helped you as a producer? Oh my goodness! Um, it gives me great insight. You know what I mean? Uh, because because I know the keys, I'm very. I'm very in tune with what's literally going on musically, you know, so it makes, it, it highlights what the bass is doing, it highlights what uh, uh, the vocals are doing, it highlights what the guitar player is playing, the, the, 
the drummer, what he's doing rhythmically. And um, uh, if I have a saxophone player, I need to know what he's doing too. And, you know, all these, it, 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 because of the piano and, you know, there's 88 keys, you know, there's what, seven tones, 88 keys. People don't really realize it's only seven tones, but uh, because of that aspect, I, it's like almost like I visualize it, you know what I mean? So me visualizing it helps me to understand all the different colors that's happening in the music, if, if, if that makes yeah, sense yeah. to you guys. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? You know, I have a, a good friend of mine that's an artist, and, um, and you know, I, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. I went to the, the high school of performing arts, LaGuardia High School Performing Arts. Oh, yeah. Okay, that school actually helped me as well because I was put in a realm of nothing but talented people around me. And when I say talent, I mean as far as dancers, actors, uh, of course musicians, but and vocalists. And all those all those dynamics play a role with me playing the keyboard because piano is emotional and depending how you uh, approach it, it gives you emotion. So if you notice, if you play an instrument from guitar, it gives you a different kind of emotion. You play a bass, it gives you a different kind of emotion. You play a drum and all these instruments can actually play on their own. But when you collect cohesively put them together, you get this this picture and this painting that's like, whoa, I've never seen that. And 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 what's so crazy, you don't know what you're gonna get until you get to where you're going, which is you don't know what it's gonna be until it is what it is. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think that link between production and music, I said I think you've got uh, you know, you a lot of producers don't necessarily have that, and I think it's it's something unique. Um, and just going back to Jimmy Jam and Quincy Jones, have you had the pleasure of meeting either of them at any stage? I met I met Quincy. I met Quincy a couple of times, but I was always nervous to go yeah. say hello. But I finally <laughs> met him. I say this summer, actually not this summer, uh, this this uh, February. I met him um, at a at a function in LA. Like usually Grammy weekend, I always go out there, and mm. then I had the opportunity to go to a, a, um, a what you call it, a pre-Grammy party that they had, and he was there, and it was a perfect setting because because there wasn't a lot of people there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the the best because it's like his attention is just like, oh, that's Quincy. Oh my God, I, I'm talking. I, I shook hands with him. And he gave me fist pump. We. We kicked it a little bit. He gave me some encouraging words, saying, "You know, stay with stay with your heart and do what you love, and you know, just stay focused, and, and and you'll get to wherever you're trying to go." So he gave me those kind of those beautiful words, and I was I'm holding on to that like for dear yeah. life. So yeah, that's... I haven't met Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I am so looking forward to meeting yeah. them. That's that's another of my idols as I well. I can imagine. And just, just on Quincy, though, Arden, I know you mentioned in, I think it was the same interview I saw, that you wished you'd had the chance to work with Michael Jackson, and obviously Quincy and Michael went hand-in-hand oh hand there at one stage. So how, let's say that, you know, 
and I would have loved Michael Jackson to still be alive. If you had had the chance to work with him, how would you have approached that working relationship? First, I got to tell you, I left that part out. I don't know how I left that part out. But one of the reasons why I wanted to play the piano was because of Michael Jackson. You remember that concert that Michael, Michael Jackson had? I forgot what city it was, and he had the guitar player, and there was lasers shooting at the guitar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ever since I seen that concert, I was like, I'm gonna play for Michael Jackson, so I wanna play the piano. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I ended up like becoming such a like I was so adamant to my piano teacher that was that was living next door to me. Uh, uh, that I wanted to play. That was at six. I was six years old. I think at seven years old. I, I can't remember, but I know that was one of the reasons that that I wanted to play. And so, uh, but I did get close. I wish I did get close to meeting Michael Jackson and playing for Michael Jackson. I did get close, very close. <laughs> and um, I started working with Jerry Wonder. Oh, yeah. You know and. Uh, I don't. I know you guys are familiar with him. He plays with the. Yeah. He's the reason of uh, of the Fugees. Uh, he he's like the father of the Fugees. Mm -hmm. Him and Wyclef, they birthed that band together. And um, Jerry called me in to do some keyboard work, and they had to do a remix for Michael Jackson. It was a remix album that they were working on, right? And I'm like, what? Yo, Artie, we got to redo this song for Michael Jackson. I'm like, what? <laughs> yes. I'm like, this is my opportunity. Yes. At least if I don't play for Michael Jackson, I can say I work with him. That's right. <laughs> and, um, and then I say within that year, I'll say uh, a year and a half later, a uh, year, because within me doing that, doing the recording, and and then he, 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 Got the, we got the bad Junus Michael Jackson mm. passed away. I was like, no! Yeah. I can't fulfill my dream. <laughs> but then I was like, but I still got a chance to play on a record that he was on. So that's right. That's half the battle. So I was like, I was content with that, but I was just like, no! You yeah, know what I mean? absolutely. But, um, but yeah, if, if, if he was alive today, man, I don't know. I don't know how I would react. I'd probably be starstruck. Yeah. <laughs> All right, play a song. Uh, nah, I'll probably get through it, but the, the real talk, nah, I'll probably be starstruck because can you imagine this? Is, I was like six, seven years old, and I said I wanted to play for Michael Jackson, and I'm actually yeah. in front of him playing for him. I don't know how I would react to that. That's, you know, it would be a also a awesome moment. That's all I could, you know I mean? That's the best way of describing how I would feel about that, you know? It would be like, it almost would be actually, well, to me, it still it still became a full circle when I was asked to, to work on that song. But it would have been even more of a, a full circle if that would have happened for, for me, you know what I mean? So I still think in a different light, a different universe, we're going to end up working together again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely.
That's great. I hold on to that. <laughs> and um, yeah. so let's, uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about production uh, later on, but just about your keyboard playing career. And, and what I've said in our introduction is it's amazing. You've, you've had the success you have as a producer and still managed to hold down, um, you know, keyboard playing gigs to the, to the extent that you have. So, you know, whether it's Wyclef Jean or Melissa Etheridge, how do you approach touring and performing on top of everything else you do man it's i i, I just i just it's just a love for it and if i could find room i'm I, I make it happen you know uh my two favorite things is it's is being in the studio is one of them but being on stage is a different feeling you know and and to me, when I'm on stage, it just gives me an understanding of how I need to produce a record. You know what I mean? Or when I'm working with different producers and collabing with other producers and just, you know, it just gives me a perspective, you know, because I visualize how the, how the music can move the people. You know what I mean? Like whenever it's almost like. Like I still play at church to this day. Like I'm, a, I'm the, oh, okay. I'm the musical direct, I'm the musical director at my church in Brooklyn, and uh, and it's just something I just can't let go. You know what I mean? It's just, a, it's like a, I, it's hard to explain. It's just like I feel like I'm in my uh, safe, safe zone when I'm on stage and I'm playing. It's just like I'm in my element and that's the best feeling in the world, you know? So between that, because whenever I play, I try to evoke emotions and make people feel better. You know, whatever they're going through that day or whatever they're going through, uh, if it's if, if it's if, if they lost somebody in their family or if they just want to feel good and be happy or if they just want to dance or uh, like, like I've always promised myself, if I'm a, I, I want to make people feel good when they're around mm. me. You know what I mean? Like I want to leave that impact. Like even if it's my last time meeting them, or if it's for my first and my last time meeting them, if we ever cross path again, that that I, I left a memory or something in their head. Like oh, I remember him. He was that guy that he played that song for me, and it just he just evoked emotion out of me. Like, and, and like, I go back to when I was listening to the piano player at my church, this guy named Benny Samuels, God bless his soul. He passed away like three years ago. Um, but the way he played that song, I always said, I want to make people feel like that because mm -hmm. the way he did that, he moved the whole entire church. And because he moved the whole entire church, I was just like, wow, that's amazing that you can do that with an instrument. You know what I mean? And so I've always said that I wanted to do that. So I guess in that sense of, uh, of um, that's why I can't let it go. You know, that's why I just love being on stage and just playing. Yeah. Know? And so I want to ask you two questions related to that, just with your church work. So are you you're playing piano or organ or keyboard um, when you're a musical I, director? I, uh, I'm playing the piano. Piano, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I've also learned the organ as well, the Hammond B3. I've, yeah. I've learned how to play that as well. Um, you know, uh, to 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 become a, a church musician, you have to actually sort of know both. You know what I mean? That's right. 
And, and you know, it, it took me a while to be able to get my pedal, move, my you know, you, yeah. you know, playing the organ. You gotta, you gotta have some feet movement. That's right. <laughs> they, they, they got, I know, a little two step. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I'm able to move it around and get the coordination going on, you know. Uh, but right now at the church that I play for, the pastor, he loves when I play the piano. So I just play the piano. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what, He's I'm, like, I'm a bit of an addict, uh, and I'll admit, to watching um, both organ and piano players at worship services because in Australia, most of our church services are very... Uh, regimented so you know you have hymns an organ player plays hymns and that's about it whereas some of the worship services in the US are brilliant in that they are really fluid not improvised but they're fluid and and you go with the flow and the emotion and they're just amazing to watch absolutely amazing yeah you know that that's what that's what sort of keeps me sharp you know what I mean um, it keeps me sharp and in tune with with musically what's what's going on because you know every every week people go through something you know what I mean and uh, the church is is a hospital to help people you know what I mean to help them get through whatever they went through that week make them feel better hopefully they can get through the following week and then we do it again you know what I mean it's 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 not a place I could say it, it it can heal you if you allow it to, and you know, you fight through uh, certain situations and certain emotions, but it's sort of like a safe, like I said, it's a safe place where you could spiritually feel safe. You know what I mean? And my job is to engage and to help do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. At the church. And then, and then I take that same energy that I, that I, that I give to God and, and, and I bring that same energy into the music, into the world music, and then I try to, to, to find music that can be appealing and stuff that could be appealing to the public and make people that same energy and synergy and try to give it out to the world, you know what I mean? Because you only got, when you do a record for somebody, you know, I'm not talking about like a jazz record. Because there's a jazz record, sometimes those jazz records are about like 10 minutes long, 9 <laughs> minutes long. I'll talk about uh, a, a popular record. You only have three minutes. Sometimes mm -hmm. they, they cut it down to, to, to two, two, min two minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah. So you have that much of time to captivate somebody and evoke an emotion and make them feel good. You know what I mean? So how do you do that and get the same kind of energy that you would get from a church service, you know what I mean? That's sometimes it's like an hour and a half long. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's usually that hour and a half, you got to condense it and get people to that point on that record. Sometimes you got 30 seconds to do it. That's you know right. I mean? So how do you do, ah, how do you make that happen in the first 30 seconds? Because if it's that good, they're going to, they're going to go to the next song. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless they're your friend, be like, Okay, I'll listen for you. I'll listen. <laughs> no, it's a great point. It's a really good point. And I mean, even with your your on stage keyboard playing work out outside of church, it's really about condensing that passion to um, you know three or four minute songs stringed together on stage. So whether it's with 
you know, Wycliffe or yeah. Melissa. I mean, let, let's talk briefly. I want to talk about Wycliffe as well, but let's talk about Melissa mm-hmm. just because I know you've seen Australia thanks to, to Melissa. How, how do you approach – that's a very different artist to what you would traditionally work with. How, how did that go for you? Oh, my goodness. That's – you know, the funny thing, you know, when in life you, you learn different styles of music, mm. but you never know where you're going to learn how to – when you're going to – have to apply it, you know what I mean? And so it was a blessing for me to be able to do that because it was different. Mm. And it just, it kind of sort of challenged me, but it didn't because I was sort of prepared for it because I always, I always imagined myself playing uh, rock soul music, you yeah. know what I mean? So um, th- that being, and not only that, goes back to the church <laughs> i guess I, I hate to revert back to it all the time but if you think about it and, and the gospel music that we've been doing they has they have different elements in all mm-hmm. you know what i mean if you go to listen to some of the gospel they have rock in it they have pop in it they have soul in it they have r&b in it they have a little bit of uh, alternative you know what i mean they have a little reggae you know what i mean so they have culture and depending what culture it what culture you're dealing with sometimes is if 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 it's a Haitian then they, they got the compa if if it's from France they got a little bit of that Euro dark sounding kind of chords in it. So a little bit of all of that. So when I had the opportunity to go with Melissa, I was like, Rock so yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and so I'm, I'm I'm like I always wanted to play the organ and hear the guitar go ring and when working with her was just like wow things that i see but i you see it but then there's a difference when you learn how it's done mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying melissa when she go out she go out with about like 20 guitars 20 guitars yeah. and each guitar does something different each one has a different tuning Sometimes the, the way that you play it gives it a different effect, gives, gives it a different effect, gives it a different emotion, different styles. And then you have this outboard gear that goes to it. There's different pedals. And I'm like, Melissa, do you use all this? I thought you just played the one guitar. She's like, no, all right, I got to you know, this song, with this song, I use this one and I play it like this and it gives me a different feeling. And then, and then I use this guitar for this, and I'm like, what? And then the most unique thing about the whole situation was that that's another part of it that I learned is like, literally, each guitar gives the song a different kind of emotion and a different kind of sonic, which which uh, which touches the masses in, in a different way. And so watching that was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, to, and then on top of it, she's just a phenomenal player. I, I don't, I don't, sometimes I, I don't think people really understand how genius Melissa Etheridge is. Like, she really could play the guitar. Like, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right. I think you're right. People perceive her as obviously a great singer and songwriter and, always picture of strumming an acoustic guitar, you know, singing something like somebody mm-hmm. bring me some water and they don't get that deeper level. 
Man, that woman can play a guitar. She can play the guitar like no. All right, Prince. Prince and her could go toe to toe. Gee, okay. That's a huge call. Well, that's yeah. great. That shows you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, 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 and that's where I stand up for women. You know, sometimes sometimes they'd be like, oh, she's a woman. Oh, yeah. No. I better start giving some women their respect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, I was like, when she played that guitar, I was like, I did not Okay, mm-hmm. Melissa, I just want to watch you. Can I just watch you? I know I'm, I'm supposed to be working with you, but can I just in the audience? I'll just watch. <laughs> I'm good right here. Just watch you play. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you and you would be well across how popular she is in this country. So uh, yeah, it's um. It's, you, you know, I was in your country. You know, we did a tour there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, was it three years ago? Four? No, I'll say four years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Uh, I, I start talking. I, you know, I could keep going, going and on. So I don't want to. I don't want to. No, want to ask me anything because I could still. I could keep talking for days. <laughs> no, that, that's that's fine. I mean, we, it's uh, we're learning a lot. And uh, look, you've got a lot to talk about. You've had a, a really long and interesting career. Well, I, I was interested in the the work you did on uh, his track "You Smile" from his his big smash hit "My World 2.0." That the big album. Yeah out then and you obviously had a, a writing role a producing role and a performing role there and I, i'm just curious what it was like for you working with justin given that he was a very young person at the time but obviously already becoming a, a big superstar how, how was the, the the dynamic working with him and you know how did you i guess assist him and help him through that process a funny story funny it's funny that you brought that up because you want to know something you want to know how we work how we working right now, literally, virtually. Wow, okay. okay, there you go. That's how crazy it was. I was on tour with Wyclef at the time. And, yep. um, and he was on tour doing a promo tour with, um, I think his own promo tour for, for uh, they was doing promo for, for a pre-release of this uh, of of the 2.0, yeah right, yeah, um, which is the album I'm on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a couple of times we were supposed to meet up in New York and record the song. It didn't happen, so we were supposed to fly out to LA. When we tried to go to LA, he had to go to Europe or something, something he had going on, yeah, so right. it didn't happen. Okay, so. They loved the record so much. That record, man, there was some heavy, heavy weight in, involved in that record. You know, obviously it was myself, Jerry Wonder was involved in this song. Um, L.A. Reid was involved in this record. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Craig Kalman, if you're familiar who he is uh, from Atlantic, was involved. In, it was a big fight because originally the record was supposed to go to a different artist. Okay. Right. And and L.A. Reid heard the song, said, no, this song has to go to my arts. It has to be for Justin. Yeah. I, nope, nope, we're giving this to Justin. And so after going back and forth and going back and, you know, dealing with the politics and everything, Justin finally got the record. Justin finally went to sing the record. I know this guy named August Rigo wrote the song. August Rigo wrote the song. And then 
we sent it over to Justin. Justin did his tweaks. And then we was just working virtually, by virtually back and forth until we all got it to a place where everyone was happy. You know, we had an, a harmonica on that song. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, if I could get you the original version. I don't have it on me right now. It's at the studio, but I would play you the original version. Man, yeah, we had a harmonica on that song. The other, LA was like, no, 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 we can't because it's going to make him... It's, we're going to put him in a box. We can't put him in a box. He's, he's a young kid. We got to take it yeah. off. We got to take it off. Uh, so we took the harmonica off, but it, they still love the harmonica version because the guy that played the harmonica was amazing to us as well. You know, like me, I just love being around musicians and mm. just working with music and, and, and me working with Jerry. That's the thing. He's just like me. We're like, we like, we got to have music. It got to be people playing the bass, got to be playing the live drums. And, of course, we do the, the keyboard programming and stuff like that. But we got to yeah. have some live instruments in it. It just got to feel like like music, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, not that I don't, I appreciate the other stuff, too. You know what I mean? Like, if you know, I did a record uh, with... Um, oh, Allie Brook. Yeah, Allie Brook. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Ali Brooks. So that that has like electro sounding stuff in it. So you know, uh, I'm I'm in the cross of of both worlds. So, but working with Justin was just like really really cool. After he did his vocals, he sent the record back to us. We mixed it. He gave his pointers what he wanted to change, and then we went back and forth for a little bit. And then everybody was happy. And then we put the record out. And then that that song actually. That 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 record actually is why I got my publishing deal. Okay. Uh, I signed a publishing deal with with and at the time it was EMI Publishing. Now they're Sony ATV. They merged. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that record that record actually kind of moved my 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 production and my writing as a writing producer to a whole other plateau when I did that record. Um, that that was the that was the set off for me. <laughs> that if was we, like if if we go back in time, Arden, and if I if I take you back to two thousand and one when you played on Alicia Keys, Mister Man, so yes. you would have been uh, a, a much younger man back then. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, Alicia Keys, uh, excellent piano player herself. I'm I'm curious how you approached that assignment of of adding keys. And I'm curious as to what creative things you were able to bring to that. And if, if you were asked to do that sort of a collaboration again today, how, how might you approach that differently? Man, that record was my first record I've ever produced. Yeah, right. Wow. I was so green to the business. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> And but but then again, that goes back to what I was saying. Like I knew about all the elements of bass, guitar, drums, uh, uh, you know, piano. So if you hear it, I have live. I have a live violinist on there. Mm -hmm. Wow! 
Wow. Her name is Mary Baneri. If you hear it, that it's on that song. She's playing that. Like, and that's Alicia actually playing on the piano. Yes. You know, and then Alicia fell in love with my piano playing too. So she was like, she was like, Artie, you got to be on the song too. I was like, but nah, you, what, what you did is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need to add anything. She's like, no, 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 you got to play on it. So I played the bridge part. Right. I played the bridge. Okay. That's me. I, I, I played, that was me. I played the, 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 the piano on the bridge. And then I kind of, you know, produced it along with myself and uh, Jimmy Cozier and then uh, Mary Benary. You know what I mean? That was my actually my first, first record that I ever produced. And then it landed on her album, her first album. And then we went on tour together. How about yeah. that one too? Yeah, that's, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Can I ask, how did you get into the production side of it? So you mentioned that was your first production Credit. Um, How did that come about for you? The artist Jimmy Cozier. Yeah. Um, we became writing partners, so we would write songs together. When I when I when I placed that song, uh, I also placed a song on Hootie uh, Hootie from the uh, Darius Rucker from yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, I placed a song called "Hold On." That's me on the piano on that one. It's called Hold On. If you yeah, check it out. Um, uh, uh, that's a country singer. Well, well you know who he is. Yeah, is yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was my that was my second record that I placed, and then it, it that's when things just started to unravel from there. You know what I mean? It's just it just one after another, one after another. Yeah. Uh, like so, a friend of mine's, uh, well, not my actual my cousin that was an engineer that was working with Busta Rhymes introduced me to Jimmy Cozier, and then me and Jimmy Cozier just hit it off, you know. What I mean, and then ever since then we just stayed in contact, and we just we just like caught a vibe, and just like whenever he want to write a song, I get with him. I'm on the piano, and he, we write together, and then we're like, okay, well, we get the song now. We got to produce the song, so let's go produce the song. So that's how it, that's how it would work. You know I me. Mean? Yeah. So we was like writing partners. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, we could spend a whole episode just talking about you and Jerry Wonder. And so I mean, there's such a great, great um, collaboration there as well. But I, I better talk some more keyboards as well. So mm-hmm. let, let's play a hypothetical. Arden. Um, Wyclef calls you up today, says you're going out on tour uh, in three months' time. What's the gear that you absolutely have to take with you? Okay, on for for I'll probably take when I was doing clef, I always had me a rolling keyboard. My rolling was always my favorite keyboard. With clef, clef likes background singing. So I have this keyboard that's like a vocoder. Oh yeah. But it's not like it's called a Roland uh, VP550. Okay. They don't even they don't even make it anymore. They got a new version, but that is like a it's like a, a voice box. So yeah. I would use that and then I would use uh, at the time when I went on road with Clef, I probably used uh, the Roland. Um, what's the what's the one? Uh, the basic Phantom. Phantom, Phantom, yeah, yeah. I would use that, but right now today, if I was to go out on the road with him today, I probably would use um, what's that keyboard? 
I've, uh, that's just left church. I can't remember. Uh, the Kronos. Yeah, Kronos. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. I'll probably use the Kronos. And uh, and another good one is the Nord Lead. Yeah. The Nord Keyboard. Those two might be my favorite. And then I've got a bunch of VSTs. I would probably use my computer for a lot yeah. of different stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm fully loaded on the VSTs and, and stuff like that. And some and that and, and I can manipulate it to sound the way that I want it to sound and do things that I will, that I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm only only time I'm I'm scared sometimes because you know, going out on the road and just the 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 wear and tear that comes with, with traveling yeah. on the on the on the, on the computer is not good. You know what I mean? So you could you could plug in your computer and say if if it's only just your computer that that you're using, you might run into a problem. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's always a fear of mine too. Agreed. <laughs> and and as far as a player, Arden, what what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned? You know, playing either those big gigs or at church. You know, what what have you learned about yourself as a player that you'd like to pass on to others? Uh discipline. Gotta be disciplined, you know what I mean? That's what I, I and, and sometimes I try to tell uh, musicians that's young, like that's starting into it. It's not about you, it's about the, the entire picture. You know, sometimes keyboard players they tend to just want to, uh, what you call it, um, when you, when you jam, yeah. They want to do like they do. They want to do a lot of runs and all that stuff and <laughs> different chords and stuff like that. There's a time and a place for everything, you know what I mean. So I always say, understand what the gig that you're doing, and understand the artist that you're working with, and understand what they need is what they need and what they want and what you want as well. You know what I mean. Make sure, make sure you giving them what they need. You know what I mean? And then if if there's room for what you want, you sneak in in there, but so subtle that they appreciate what you're giving. You know what I mean? So that's that would be my best my best advice to any upcoming keyboard players and and stuff like that. That's you know, discipline and, and and be on time. <laughs> yes. and you're right but a lot of people don't mention that but that's a really really good point <laughs> be where you're supposed to be don't have them looking for you man you know if you're good they'll, there's only so much they'll take you know what I mean yeah. after a while they'll be like oh, wait are you the star wait a minute yeah, and yeah. you know I got money. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I hired you so you could be here because you know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't want to be on that side of the fence. Just put it that way. It's not a not a pretty sight to be on. You know what I mean? Because then, and then there's your ego gets in the way, and then your ego will get you in trouble with the situation, and then you just end up not being on a gig anymore. Then now you're out of out of a lot of money. Because of your attitude. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Hey, really, really curious, Arden. We, we ask every guest this question. And with some of the, mm -hmm. the big shows you've played, have you ever had a time as a performer where something's just gone really wrong on stage and you've just really had to work hard to, to try and fix the situation? Maybe a technical failure or something strange has happened. Uh, can you tell us any interesting stories like that? I got two interesting stories to tell you. 
the first one is about Wycliffe. When I was in Canada, I had to do a show. I remember what I said, the computer gone bad. <laughs> yep. I did a show in Canada. Thank goodness I had one keyboard that I said, I will always keep this keyboard just in case. (laughs) (laughs) I went to hit play on my computer. My computer went blank. Like, (laughs) die. Like, no. And then I had a lot of the sounds on my computer. Cluff is looking at me like, where's the horns? And I'm like, I don't have them. (laughs) And I work (laughs) it. And he's like, what's going on over there with you? And he's looking like, where's where's that string that you you normally use? I don't have it. But guess what? I'll be with you in two seconds. So I ran to the other keyboard. I started finding out sounds. He's like, it sounds different, but okay, it could work. <laughs> After the show, he came to me and said, what happened? I said, I said, you, want, you really want to know? Look, my computer died. He said, oh, that's why you was fiddling over there. I was kept looking at you. And you just like doing, you just looked like you was like going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my tech. Uh, uh, at the time was trying to figure it out for me. It was like, what's going on? We unplugged the keyboard. We plugged the keyboard back. Just, the show's still going on. Oh, my God. That was like, uh, that was like, uh, uh, that was not fun. <laughs> no. uh, another nightmare. This one happened with Melissa Etheridge. It wasn't my fault this time. <laughs> <laughs> it was the drummer. The drummer started playing a beat that was not part of the song. <laughs> and we started playing the song. And then we played the song. And then we all looking at each other like, something's wrong. And the drummer, the drummer looked at us. He said, oh, my God, I hit the wrong song on the, on the, on the, drum, on the drum pad. The drum pad, he hit the wrong, the wrong uh, program. Yep, yep. But the funny part about it was that we all played the song on that beat. And it was fast. And it was different. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and, we, and we were together. And we all looking at each other like, Melissa's looking at us. And it was like, at first, first this, this is the first time where um, after playing with Melissa, I said we was on the road for about... Because we was on a road, we had an eight-week tour. And we, this was about, like, we was in, like, the third or fourth week of the, uh, 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 of, of the tour when that happened. And uh, we all looked at each other. And then we all was like, okay, this is off, right? And then we finished playing the song. And then Melissa turns around and said, hey, folks, sometimes... Things be different. <laughs> <laughs> we all just started laughing. We laughed. We laughed the whole way to the next city. Was we was just laughing like, okay, we can't let that happen again. But that was hilarious. That was a classic moment. And you know, you would think that you know, uh, like um, she was, she would be upset and like very angry. She was just like, 
Man, shit happens. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's great. And that shows that shows what a true pro she is. Yeah, um, it's just like it's like she's like not every show you gotta get it right. You know, it's like so you know. But guess what? We did a new version for them. That's right. <laughs> it, it could have been released. Uh, yes. No, like, that's you know, excellent. It, it could, yeah, so it was kind of cool, you know. I mean, that's that was like that. There's more stories, but those were the ones that really yeah, just stuck too, out. To they're us, two you good know. ones. No, that's excellent. Yeah. Now, um, Arden, what we always do is, and this is our last question, sadly, but we always wrap mm-hmm. up with the old Desert Island Discs question. So this is five albums you couldn't live without. Oh, five albums I couldn't live without. Well, I could tell you right now, Dr. Dre is one of them. Yep. Uh, um, I could say I, I could say another one, the Fuji's album. I can't live without either. Yep, that's a classic. Oh my god, uh, another Michael Jackson album. I couldn't live without either. Which one? Which one would you choose, a Michael Jackson? Um, album? Oh man, I think I think I think the one would beat it on it. Yeah, yep. Um, what's another album that I can't live without? Um. Uh, you want to know um, uh, the Gap Band? Oh yep, yep. They had uh, some great yeah. songs. Uh, I have a, a. This one is completely off the cuff. This one would be like a Joe a Joe sample. I don't oh, yeah. know. Is it piano player? I can't live without that. Uh, a Barry White. Yeah, of course. Legend. Uh, who else? Um, did I name five already? Yeah, I think you've done going. five. You can, have, you can have one more if you want, but that's fine. <laughs> I can keep going. Let me see. If to, uh, uh, today's album. Uh, if it, You want to know something? A De La Soul. Oh, yeah. I have a Tribe Called Quest. De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest. Then I would say Kendrick Lamar. I could go with my Alicia Keys song at A Minor. Actually, I really love that album. Even, yeah. even though I'm on it. Even though, you know what I mean? I, I, that's, I, that's another a Beyonce album, the Beyonce album. Yeah. So I think I we're going to go with Arden's top eight. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Did, did, did I forget to mention Jay-Z? I yeah, you did. All right. Jay-Z. So top yeah. nine. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I can't leave out Biggie Smalls either. I'm sorry. Biggie Smalls, there you go. There's your 10. <laughs> That's There's excellent. More. That is excellent. And, and look, so I can't, uh, yeah, can't thank so. you enough for taking the time, particularly on, on a Friday night, your time. It, it really is appreciated. And you're certainly the sort of artist that you could spend four hours talking to and, and get lots of great insights. But, yeah, really uh, appreciate you taking the time. Man, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed talking to you guys, man. And there we have it. A huge thanks to Arden again for taking the time. I, I enjoyed the hell out of that. I mean, I'll be the first to say hip-hop's not my most familiar territory, even though I respect the hell out of the genre and the people that make it. Paul, did you enjoy that? Yeah, I really did. And, you know, what what hasn't this gentleman done in the world of uh, hip-hop, R&B, soul? It's, uh, he's, he's got such a, a storied career, and it was a real pleasure to learn a bit more about what makes him tick. Yeah, no, really good stuff. And I can see he's got another probably 20 or 30 years of solid career ahead of him. 
Um, as do we all, Paul. As do we all. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you again for, for listening. Um, we'll be back again in a fortnight or so, but just a reminder, you can keep in touch via a few means. Um, our website is www.keyboardchronicles.com. Um, and then we have a weekly newsletter also that you can sign up at that website if you're interested in sort of the latest news and views uh, around keyboards. Uh, and it's free. You get a curated email of information related to a whole bunch of stuff related to what we all do. Um, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash keyboard chronicles, on Twitter at the keyboard chr1. Uh, and if you'd like to, you know, keep in touch via email, then do drop us a line at editor at keyboardchronicles.com. Just while I think of it too, I want to thank uh, one of our listeners um, under the, the username uh-oh7 who left a lovely review on iTunes for the podcast. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but essentially said, really enjoy it. And um, I actually have to stop the podcast here and there to uh, go off and do some research on the web about different things that are mentioned, which is really cool because um, some of our guests have some great anecdotes and, and experiences that, yeah, are definitely worth going off and reading about more in depth. Um, huge thank you to you again, Paul, for joining me again this episode. We're going for the big three in a row, I believe. I think we'll be catching up next episode. Yeah, I can't wait. And as always, David, it's been such fun and a pleasure. And thanks for involving me in this wonderful project. Anytime. So most importantly, thanks to you, our wonderful listeners, and hope to see you back here next episode. Mm -hmm.